I'm in a PSYOP, you're in a PSYOP. Heck, even those who are running the PSYOP, they're in a PSYOP. Hey, it's Lucas Scrobot, and you're listening to the Lucas Scrobot Show, where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future, episode 294. It is August 11th, 2022, and quite frankly, I'm beginning to believe more and more that really all of reality is a psyop. Now, that that does not mean that all of reality is an illusion like Eastern mysticism would like you to believe, which it's it's just not. The, the, the real world is real. This is not an illusion that we are living in, but we are living within a psyop. We are living within a a spiritual realm that wants to distract you, that wants to engage your negative emotions, your rage, your anger, your your life source, and they want it to, you to spend it on things that are actually going to just squander your life away. And one of, one of those things is the news. The 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 news. 24-7 media news cycle is the biggest psyop of all. I think it's so big that I really do believe that all of those who are running media companies and organizations, not all, that's probably an exaggeration, but they're caught up in the psyop as well. It's because you have to be. You have to be, because you're incentivized to be, Pushing stories that polarize and engage people to keep looking at their screens. Why? Because if you're not looking at the screen, if you're not listening to it, if you're not scrolling, liking, tapping, subscribing, then all that will happen. If you're not doing that, they'll lose subscribers, they'll lose advertisement, and they'll go out of business. Well, they can't go out of business because they are a business. I think they're in a PSYOP. For instance, the political realm. Again, just another big PSYOP. You have to engage your base of constituents. You, you, the, the political theater. This week, the only thing that people are talking about the last couple of days is the raid on Trump's estate. The FBI, which was weaponized under President Obama for political gain, uh, raided former President Donald Trump's house to seize some documents that supposedly were illegally taken from the White House. The, one of the judges who signed the warrant to raid his estate is connected with none other than Jeffrey Epstein, the, the, this child sex trafficker who was mysteriously, mysteriously killed in jail, Epstein. But ladies and gentlemen, of course, of course this is important. Of course it is important that we, we are aware of the current events, that we're aware of things that are going on, that we're aware that this is an extreme abuse of power. Even, even Cuomo, a, a Democrat, as, as pro, almost as progressive as you get, as soon as it happened, posted on Twitter, there better be a legit search warrant. There, this better be legit and not just a, a political weaponization of the FBI, because if it is, all it will do is further fuel those on the right and will be seen as a, a total abuse of power by 
the administration, the Biden administration, and the Department of Justice. So these things do matter. They do matter when it comes to the path that America is on. And we're going to talk a little bit about the path that America is on today and the way that the rest of the world is viewing America and the, 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 the pros and the cons of that, the realities and the illusions or the, the delusion of the way that America is being viewed right now because it is being viewed in a way that is being manufactured again by the media, and it's then turning into a self-fulfilling prophecy, a self-fulfilling prophecy of the coming demise of America and of the current world order. So we can't get caught up in every single political theater act, because if we do, it will steal and suck our life force. I, I, I probably told this story here before on the show, my dad used to watch the news two, three hours a day and sit and would be enraged daily by the insanity that is going on. Now, maybe for our, our younger generation that isn't watching the news every day, we're scrolling on social media and Twitter and whatever news site and source every day. And it doesn't matter what side of the aisle that you're on. But we can waste our life source scrolling, being enraged, being tr triggered, and not realizing that we are wasting precious life source every day when we could be doing something else, when we ought to be doing something else. And my dad, he got to a point where he realized either he needs to become engaged in the political sphere and local government. Or he needs to stop watching the news because it's a waste of his energy. It's a waste of his life. It's a waste of his emotions. As I said, I think, I think those who are running legitimate psyops are in psyops because we live in, we live in a physical realm, a natural realm where there are bad actors, where there are evil men and women who intentionally are, are, are are seeking to manipulate society. Maybe we should stop and say, what is a PSYOP? If you don't know what a PSYOP is, since I've used the term about 50 times so far in the first 10 minutes of the show, a PSYOP is a psychological operation or operations to convey selected information and indicators to audiences to influence their emotions, motives, objective reasoning, and ultimately the behaviors of government, organizations, groups, and individuals. So a PSYOP would be, it could be a government, it could be a, a private organization looking to manipulate and pull a group of people into a storyline, often a fabricated storyline, to, to stir up emotions and rage to then activate that group onto certain political or economic ends. This is a PSYOP. And so when we look at the media industrial complex, we can see that there are incentives in the natural realm that are in place that would push people to continue to move to more and more polarizing positions, to more and more polarizing clickbait storyline. And that's, you have to make money. So I understand that. And the, the incentive structure inherently 
leads to that. Because if you post a, a, a story, a whole write-up on how a, a small town in Europe is getting along together quite wonderfully. If you post a story of how a, a community in the inner city of Chicago or London or Tokyo is helping people and they're, they're sitting down and they're crossing the political barriers and lines and getting to know one another. Who is that going to sell? Is that, are people going to share it? Are people going to comment with enraged comments and, and tag all their friends in it? See, this is what's wrong with the world. It's, it's, we're all going to die. No. What gets the clicks? What gets the views? The psyops. The, the stories that cause us to be enraged. And that comes from media. Politics, the, the new world order wants you to be enraged because it will create a self-fulfilling prophecy of division. And if a nation or a, a society is divided, it will fall and will undermine the current world order. So all, all the, the new world order agenda people out there need to do, all the, the socialists and communists need to do, progressives need to do to see the, the downfall of the current world order is to get people to divide against themselves. And you can do that by enraging the population, polarizing the population. And then you can just sit back and let time take its role and will eventually undermine and self-destruct itself. Well, there is an article from The Atlantic this week, uh, amazing, by uh, Tom Mittag. And uh, it's titled, What America's Great Unwinding Would Mean for the World. It doesn't really quite answer that question of what it would mean for the world, but I'm going to read a couple different segments from his article. He starts off with this, a particular cognitive dissonance seems to have taken hold of the world. The Western's response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine led and propped up by the United States, has reminded the world that international order is, if anything, more dependent on America, American military, economic, and financial might now than only a few years ago. If anything, that we are more dependent on America's, excuse me, more dependent on America's military, economic, and financial support now than only a few years ago. Yet everywhere you turn, there is a sense that the U.S. is in some sort of terminal decline, that we are too divided, incoherent, violent, and dysfunctional to, to, sustain, to sustain the Pax Americana. Moscow and Beijing seem to think that the great American unwinding has already begun, while in Europe, officials worry about a sudden American collapse. Do we talk about it? Michael Duclos, a former French ambassador to Syria who remains well-connected within Europe's diplomatic network, told me, or him, somewhat indignantly after I asked whether an American implosion was ever discussed at the highest levels of government. He said, we never stop talking about it, unquote. Again and again, when I spoke with officials, when Tom spoke with officials, diplomats, politicians, and aides in Britain and Europe over the past few weeks, the same message came back. It's weighing on people's minds 
big time. All this seems to add up to the collective imagination and impression that the country is on the brink, meeting all the conditions for dissent into civil unrest. He details how officials are are seeing from the outside what all of us are seeing when we look at media, which is the civil unrest. We see the the extreme pushes of the LGBTQ plus movement and the extreme backlash from that. They, you see the, the, the division in America when it comes to abortion. You see the, the seeming breakdown of all sense of decency in America. The political division and unrest. It's cause for concern. We talk about it here on the show all the time. He goes on in this article. America's continuing dominance, in fact, that the world is fixated on, and the world is fixated on the idea of its impending demise, seems both a dramatic overreaction and a dramatic underreaction. The depth of America's military-industrial complex and the scale of its imperial bureaucracy means that they are simply too heavy for one single president or Congress to remove. To an extraordinary degree, American power has been vaccinated against its own political dysfunction. What he's referring to here is that not one person, that, that, that America is actually stable enough that not one person or political party can totally undermine America. But then he poses the question, what happens if that stops working? What would be the global consequences? Well, places like Poland, Japan, Taiwan, and Ukraine, they would all fall to the impending powers that want their land. He says it's the very basis, the, the American industrial complex is the very basis for the order of today. But besides talking about the fragility of these foundations, no one is doing anything to secure them. What I find, find interesting about his article is that he's detailing how America, how the dollar is stronger than it's ever been, how the world, Europe specifically, is more reliant on American military in NATO than it's ever been. Countries are joining NATO now, and if it wasn't for America holding uh, nations in check, we would see a, a vast changes in the... the the social structure, the political structure, the trade structure across the world. And so more now than ever, America is holding a power balance. But we all looking in from the outside through the lens of media, through the lens of news, which cause us to be enraged, which are pushing stories that show the division and the separation and the bickering and the infighting in American culture today. Those things then create self-fulfilling prophecies for us to see America through that lens. When in reality, day by day, on the ground, life is going on. Communities are trucking forward and many people are living their lives unaware of these uh, massive geopolitical, social uh, implications of what would happen if America came crashing down. They're, they're unaware. 
and relatively untouched by these, uh, the issues, the social issues that are impending in America. But when we become so hooked into the media complex, we then begin down a road of a self-fulfilling prophecy where populations in America become enraged. Political divides become broader and broader, further and further apart. A a, a study shows that only about 7% of the Republican and Democratic Party are really on the polar edges, uh, uh, and that's in America. 7%. So you have 14% of the nation that is mostly polarized, which means you have 80 6% of the nation that is pretty much in the middle and united and and can get along with one another. Just 7% on each side that can't get along with one another. But we see that 7% and then we create a perception of what will happen in the world and then we act accordingly and that creates this self-fulfilling prophecy. And that really is, in many ways, a psyop. In many ways, the way that we view America it can cause us to make decisions that ultimately will harm us, the way that we view where the world is going. He ends this article by stating this, America today is both mightier than it was a decade ago and more vulnerable. This is true. The guarantor of world order and the greatest potential source for its disorder. And as long as it is the case, Diplomats, officials, politicians, and the general public outside America are going to both obsess about its collapse, whether out of genuine fear or hallucinatory projection, and be unable to do anything about it. And that is the point. We are completely unable to do anything about it. Yeah, that makes sense. In a post-truth society where we've exchanged truth for lies and reason for postmodern irrationality, the absurd finally makes sense. Well, this one actually does make sense. America, the American educational complex, which we've talked about a number of times on the show, is uh, also in decline. We have talked uh, about how there was a, a mix and emerge of the education sphere and the government sphere, and the the economic financial sphere in upper education, and how it has led to a a vast ballooning of student loans and the cost of higher education. How did this all happen? As schools began to say, hey, and governments began to say, hey, government, you give us loans, you provide loans to our students that they can't default on. So the government sees a a place that they can make money. They decide to give loans to students, to 18-year-old kids to go get uh, degrees in underwater basket weaving and what it means for the, uh, you know, pending climate catastrophe for four years and $120,000. The government says, hey, we'll give you this loan but you can't default on it. 
you default, there's no way. You can file for bankruptcy, but you still owe the government money. And then students began to take this money because you're, you're 18, you got to go to college. That's what the, the messaging says. So they go to college, they take this loan for $120,000 from the government that they can't default on. They don't realize what they're doing. They come out of school with a degree that really didn't teach them much, by and large, if you got a degree in underwater basket weaving. This then cause, causes a cycle to begin where universities can begin to charge more and more money because essentially for the student, they view it as free. Well, I'm, I'm going to school. The government is giving me money to do this. I can pay them back later. So you can continue to raise the rates without there being any real kickback from students or from their customers. This then has, has led to soaring rates to go to college, an incredible amount of student loans. While at the same time, upper education has been weaponized from the, from the Frankfurt School. The Frankfurt School was after the, the, the fall of communism, and it was clear that communism and socialism, Marxism wasn't going to work. All of Marxist philosophers gathered at the Frankfurt School, and they decided, you know what, this is the way that we will overthrow capitalism. We will do just what we've been describing, causing divisions among societies. And one of the ways that we will infiltrate the minds of the youth is by infiltrating the education systems. And if we can infiltrate the education systems and force education, and we can, we can mold the minds of an 18-year-old kid, then when they're 40, we'll have them, we'll win them, we'll win the war, but we'll win it over a long period of time. So then these education systems, instead of teaching things that are neat, there's, there's good reason to go to college. We talk to our kids. And we say, if you're going into the STEM field, if you're going to be going into science, technology, engineering, mathematics, physics, if you're going into the STEM field, then yeah, you should go to college. You should get a degree. If you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, you should go get a degree. You should spend that time if that's what you want to do with your life. But if you are going to go and spend four years to try to figure out what you might enjoy, do that another way. Get a job and change jobs every four years to figure out what you might enjoy. Go to a trade school. Go find an apprenticeship where you make money as you learn. So we're not against our kids going to college. I went to college. But we don't want our kids going to college for purposes that they won't end up using for some liberal arts degree that will only indoctrinate them to progressive leftist ideologies and not actually give them hard skills and assets to be fruitful in the world. And America and students across the globe are waking up to this fact. They're waking up to the fact that you leave college and you don't have a lot to show for it. You have a, sh a sheet of paper, which is becoming more and more irrelevant as we can learn skills online and as companies are looking for experience, not just a four-year degree. Well, a study came out 
says why are Americans increasingly dubious about going to college? With the exception of wartime, the United States has never been through a period of declining educational attainment like this, said Michael Hicks, the director of the Center of Business and Economic Research at Ball State University, Miller College of Business. There are 4 million fewer students in college now in America than they were 10 years ago. A fall-off many observe blamed COVID-19. A dip in the number of Americans under 18 and a strong labor market that is sucking young people straight back into the workforce. So there's the excuse. People are like, oh, it's COVID. People are just going straight to the workforce. They're, it's because of COVID. And this is, this is just uh, you know a little blip. It's not a significant data point in the trend. However, while the pandemic certainly made things worse, the downturn took hold well before it started. Demographics alone cannot explain the scale of this drop. This was a trend before COVID even hit. This was a trend before COVID even hit. There's, in this article, there's statistics about numbers of states in America and how they've dropped in 10, 11, 12 percentage points from from 53% down 11% in just a number of five years or dropped 12% five years. In West Virginia, only 46% of high school graduates went to college in 2011, 10% below the state's high of 56% in 2010. And, and the numbers go on. Arizona, 46% of high school graduates, graduates in 2020 went to college. The following fall, a drop from more than 55% in 2017. The, the number goes on. Just across the board, college attendance is down, down, down. Students are asking, quote, is it worth it? Is college worth it? Will I come out of college with something that is worth it? Parents are saying to their kids, no, you're not going to college. You're not getting that four-year degree because you're going to come out laden with debt and you're not going to learn anything. And all that it will do is brainwash you. One teacher said that her students' parents, quote, just don't value education the way that they did in the past. I think that this is said Amanda DeBoard, who is a advisor in the statewide program in Tennessee called Advise Tennessee. I feel like it's been slipping for years. Maybe that's true. Maybe they don't value education. Or maybe the education isn't valuable. Maybe the things that are, are being educated in upper education aren't actually valuable anymore in the real world because it was, it was a tool that trained people to go into the Industrial Revolution and we're past the Industrial Revolution. That has moved on. We're in a new season. One advised Tennessee student who's headed to college said to his classmates, said his classmates' parents in Nashville, Tennessee, in Nashville, used to tell them, quote, if you don't go to college, you're a bum. That has changed, however. They don't think that anymore. Now they say, no, actually, I think college is a bad play. The, the minds of parents and the minds of students 
are changing, and rightly so. Rightly so. Now, economic rivals to America, many of them, this is the end of the article, say, could wish nothing better than to see the share of American adults who go to college drop by 12 points. It's literally cataclysmic, said Hicks. And this is, in one sense, true. It is cataclysmic that that America and the students and the population of America are not pursuing the STEM fields. They're not pursuing upper education. That, that will have a vast impact on America in decades to come. However, is it cataclysmic when the education that you're getting in a school is indoctrination and you're coming out of school with liberal arts degree that of, of uh, you know, gender studies dance and how it intersects with, you know, the penguins in Antarctica? Is that, is that a valuable degree that will cause them to do better in the world and be educated along a field? No, it won't. So I think it is good that people are waking up to the fact that the way that college is, it's over. It's not what it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. It's not, it doesn't have its place in society anymore. So college education needs to pivot and change away from indoctrinating students and back to educating students along metrics that are actually relevant to the world. And we need to do away with uh, these, these government loans that you can't default on because essentially what it then becomes, these, all these schools become government schools, not public schools, government schools, which have been weaponized to brainwash, uh, <laughs> to brainwash a generation into whatever political ideologies uh, the ruling powers in the education system want to push. And right now, it really is the trans agenda, is the LGBTQ plus agenda. It is a progressive socialism, anti-capitalism. It is atheism. It is uh, this idea of multiculturalism, not multiculturalism in, in a way of loving other cultures, but of saying that the ethics of every culture are equal when the ethics of every culture are not equal. There are ethics and there are many cultural acts across the world in every culture that are unethical. And there are cultures which are superior than others. And when I say superior, I mean have better results within the community that the people's lives and livelihood and social well-being and emotional stability, health is better. Some cultures are better than others. But right now what is being taught in upper education is that if you make any sort of statements like that, you are extremely racist and bigoted. Well, this show is brought to you by listeners like you. We don't have big advertisers on the podcast. Rather, it's people like you who give their hard, cold fiat every week or every month to the show. I thank you for all those who support the show. We wouldn't be able to be here without you. If you want to Give value back to the show in the way that you get value from the show. You can do so by visiting lucasgrowbot.com. 
com backslash support and you can give your hard cold fiat there and thank you to all those who stream satoshis on apps like breeze or sphinx or a pod friend you can listen to the podcast there and you can load up your bitcoin satoshi wallet and you can stream sats little micro payments every minute as you listen so for all you who are listening there i love seeing the updates on my phone that I'm getting Satoshis are streaming in. So thank you for, for supporting the show in that way. Well, don't go away. We'll be right back with our closing Weaver and Loom segment. Welcome back to Weaver and Loom, a part of the show where we take ancient wisdom and we weave it in with our everyday lives so that we can own our future and weave our destiny. Well, today we've been talking about how we're all in a PSYOP. And the way to get out of the PSYOP is to listen to a different voice, to not be party to the polarization and the rage that is produced by social media, that is produced by the the political theater that is produced by activism and activists, whether it's corporate or private or uh, organizations that are looking for you to be enraged and fearful so that you act out of that fear, so that you react against your neighbor rather than being a peacemaker, rather than being someone that reconciles people to one another. The, the, the PSYOP that we're in, the, the entire globe is in, is the one of divide, divide, divide. Not reconcile, reconcile, reconcile. Not, not bless your neighbor. Not befriend your enemy. It is divide. And in that, there is financial gain. And there are incentives that are in place to do that. So how do we get out? What is the, the ancient wisdom that we can pull on? Well, in the, in the scriptures, uh, there is a, a tribe called the sons of Issachar or Issachar. So Abraham had his son Isaac and Ishmael, and Isaac had his son Jacob, who later was named uh, Israel. Jacob, he had 12 sons. One of them was Issachar. And Issachar then goes on to become a a tribe. And that tribe is described as men who have understanding of the times and know what the nation ought to do because they had understanding of the times that they lived in. The answer for us is to have understanding of the times and the seasons that we live in and know how to act appropriately and know how to respond appropriately. There's a famous story of David and Goliath. In the story of David and Goliath, Goliath was telling everyone what they should think of him. He was telling everyone, I'm coming I'm going to destroy everyone. I'm a big, bad giant. You can't beat me. You guys are all weak little shrimps. I'm laughing at you. You guys are ridiculous. Everyone else 
they they talked about the giant. Well, look at look how big the giant is. We're never we're never going to beat this giant. It's so big. We're just all doomed. We might as well we might as well just give up now. What are we going to do? But David, who defeated the giant, decided I'm not going to listen to the giant, and I'm not going to listen to what other people say about the giant. I'm going to be a son of Issachar. I'm going to be one who listens to a different voice, a voice of hope, a voice of faith, of seeing things that you can't see with your natural eye and say, in the midst of this catastrophe, in the midst of this hardship, in the midst of facing this giant, I know that I can overcome. I know that God is with me, that God is with us, that we can overcome this. Right now, we're all looking at the giant, the giants in the world and in the land, whether it be China or Russia or the demise of America or the LGBTQ plus or, or the climate catastrophe, whatever it is. It is easy to focus on the giant. It is easy to focus on the fear rather than tuning in to faith, to hope, to love, to reconciliation. So go out this week and be a person in your community that listens and tunes into the Spirit of God and what the Spirit of God says about circumstances, what the Spirit of God says about the giants in the land, about the hardships in your life, whether it's even your personal life. Focus on that. Believe in that. Hold fast to that in hope and in faith. And you will be someone who indeed owns the future. Well, thanks for listening to the show. That's all for today's episode. If you have any questions, you can WhatsApp me at plus one two zero two nine two two zero two two zero. And if you ask a bad enough question, we'll give you a bad enough answer right here on the show. If you want to get more out of the show, share it with a friend. It helps build language and community and friendship with those around you. Well, that's all. Go out this week and own your future.